the best podcast in baseball is brought to you by Clauses by Design. Update your closet, garage, office, pantry, and more. Imagine your home totally organized with Closets by Design. Call 1-800-BY-DESIGN. That's 1-800-BY-DESIGN. And basically, the way I look at it is I got good enough to get traded. Um, mm-hmm. uh, you know, good enough to where someone else noticed and wanted to take a chance on me. I think getting traded to the Rays for my the purposes of my career thus far has been, you know, the most important thing to happen to my career uh, so far. So. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the best podcast in baseball brought to you by Closet by Design of St. Louis. I'm St. Louis Post-Dispatch baseball writer Derek Gould. Joined this week, and I'm going to get right to it because I'm very excited about what 72 hours after he became a Cardinal. Right-handed reliever Andrew Kittredge is here on the best podcast in baseball. Andrew, thank you for taking this time. Yeah, thank you for having me. Uh, it's been a kind of a hectic weekend, but exciting at the same time. So I uh, appreciate having me on. What, uh, what's that like on Friday? How does it play out for you that you, you find out that you're, you're on the move? Um, and then do you begin looking at where you fit with a new team, who you know on a new team? How does that all work? I think it, the first 24 hours for me was just kind of trying to process everything. You know, um, I wasn't completely caught off guard. I, I knew that me personally, potentially this offseason could get moved. You know, um, I didn't really have an inkling as to when or if that was going to happen. But um, so, you know, I definitely kind of had it on my radar, but I wasn't <laughs> thinking about it the day that it happened. So uh, it did still come as a surprise to me. And uh yeah, it just kind of took me a little while to process it. You know, a lot of people reaching out, uh, people from the Cardinals organization, uh-huh. you know, trying to touch base and just kind of, you know, get things going. So it did take, uh, you know, probably 24, 48 hours to kind of fully um, process everything before you start kind of, you know, going into next steps and, and you know, getting ready for spring and, you know, housing and things like that. But uh, for the most part, yeah, just kind of taking it in and, and uh yeah, now I'm now I'm getting excited. All right, and what uh, what stood out to you? Obviously, yeah, that's something that probably we don't talk much about is kind of the logistics of it. Like you got to find a rental in Jupiter and all those <laughs> things. Um, but what uh, what kind of stands out to you? Uh, you know, obviously they've been in the market for some late inning relief. You you satisfy that. Um, Want to talk to you about coming back from Tommy John and and what the what the appearances you had with the Rays towards the end of last season meant? But like when you kind of talked to the Cardinals and then looked at the Cardinals, did you get a sense of where you fit for the Cardinals? Well, first of all, I mean, my first impression was just, you know, I didn't have, I don't have a long history of, of playing yeah. against the Cardinals or even really the national league. But well, the one thing I did think about, you know, it's just such a historic franchise and, and everything I think about is the fan base. Everyone talks about how great the fans are in St. Louis. And, um, and so just kind of the history with that, that was exciting, you know, getting to be, a part of um, kind of a, a an organization that just has such a great history. So um, that was exciting. Um, that was kind of my first takeaway. Like I said, I, I wasn't overly familiar with uh, the organization as a whole. Um, but yeah, in the, in the next couple of days, you know, t- take a look at the roster and, and kind <laughs> of trying to see who and if I know anybody and, um, you know, familiarizing myself a little bit. But, you know, I think from what I can tell just uh, in the limited time that I've, I've been here uh, is that there's a lot to be optimistic about. I mean, there's some, some really big names uh, on the roster and, and guys that have had a, a long history of uh, 
having success and competing at a high level. So, you know, I think from my first impression, it would uh, be like, hey, let's go win the Central and, and see where we can go from there. How how big, we, we all know, I mean, I'm sure you've talked to, I've talked to pitchers about the grind of coming back from elbow reconstruction. How much, how important was it for you to get in some big league games and kind of get that feel towards the end of the season? And and does that set you up for a pretty normal off season? Yeah, I think that was uh, very important for me, honestly, just mentally the hurdle of getting mm. back in games and seeing yourself, you know, pitch with the same stuff that you did before and not having that kind of weighing on your mind as whether or not you'll be the same guy when you get back. And, you know, my first couple weeks uh, back in the big leagues, it wasn't quite the same. And then, you know, it just the more I got uh, reacclimated to pitching at that level and and my stuff was slowly getting better and better each time out it seemed like and right there down the stretch you know even even in the one playoff outing that I had mm-hmm. I really did feel like I was back to 100% and didn't didn't really have any restrictions and so uh there's a lot of optimism on my end going forward that uh you know that hurdle has kind of been uh been uh <laughs> I've overcome that hurdle so um that's kind of where I'm at you know I I feel healthy I you know I've in my throwing that I've done so far in preparation for spring training I've, I've had nothing but uh, great feedback from my arm and and uh, yeah I'm just looking forward to getting going and uh, yeah I was able to enjoy a, my first normal off season in a while so uh, yeah yeah, it, yeah. What, what what is that costume what is what does normal off season mean to you well I do uh, take some time off at the mm-hmm. beginning you know I like to uh, see my family and, and just kind of relax for a little while. And mostly, um, you know, when it comes time to start throwing, I, I don't usually typically start throwing until the new year. I, I'm just a, about a weekend now, but, um, mm-hmm. yeah, just the initial feedback's been great. And, uh, yeah, I'm, uh, arms feeling good. I'm looking forward to get going. You're, you're wearing your Washington hat on today of all days with the national championship game. You're a Husky. Um, and I, well, I do do want to talk to you about the football game, but first I want to ask about that time. You're coming out of high school and you're drafted by the hometown Mariners, but you elect to go to Washington. Um, and then when you're coming out of college, you're undrafted. What, what were you betting on yourself kind of going there? I mean, was it, was it very clear you were going to Washington and the, the Mariners weren't going to woo you out of that? Uh, it, it it's kind of a long story i mean i my parents were very influential in in wanting me to go to school mm. i think if i look back at the 18 year old version of me i i was probably leaning towards trying to sign professionally because uh, the idea of school didn't really appeal to me all that much but um i'm really glad that that uh, you know i kind of listened to the advice of my parents and and really um stuck to that commitment to to, to go to the university of washington and i had an awesome time there um, you know, and I feel like what college did for me more than, um, than maybe I would have been able to get in the minor leagues at 18 years old was, was just, I grew up a lot, you know, it's mm-hmm. like, I, I, I failed in a lot of ways, but I, I figured, um, figured some things out and I feel like I've matured more maybe than I would have, uh, as an 18 year old kid in the GCL or AZL or whatever, <laughs> but, um, so I think that's kind of where that was for me. You know, I, I really enjoyed my time in Washington and, and now I get to uh, look forward to things like tonight. So uh, right. uh, that's a, that's an added perk. What was it at college where you developed or learned the, the slider? Was that where it, it began and, and did it kind of start as a, as a cutter 
and then as now it's evolved into a, a slider? Yeah, it's it's definitely morphed over the years. And even, you know, when I first started throwing it, I, I was calling it a cutter. It was only a couple miles an hour slower than my fastball. So mm. it, it really was a true cutter. And this, the more I threw it and the more I got comfortable with it, the bigger and slower it got. And it, and it was a very apparent at that point that it was a slider. Um, you know, and I, I had that pitch up through the first handful of years in pro ball. And it wasn't really until, um my second year with the Rays where you know I just made a little tweak adjustment in spring training started throwing it a lot harder and uh, our analytics department and our pitching coach uh were all in on it they said yeah the harder you can throw it the better and and it's just uh so it's you know it's kind of morphed a couple different times but um it's always kind of been a pitch that I've relied on it's been you know I think for a long time there it was my best pitch now, I'd argue that I have two best pitches, but, uh, <laughs> with but, the sinker, uh, are you playing yeah, off the sinker? The sinker yeah. You know, they're yeah. parallel together, but, um, yeah. yeah well, so, you go into the all-star know, game and you get three ground outs from the three guys you face right on the sinker. So you can, you can say that, right? Like, yeah, those yeah, are the two yeah, pitches. yeah. Well, yeah. I, I think every pitching coach when, at a young age will tell you that, uh, your fastball needs to be your, your best pitch. So. Yeah. Uh, I can appease them at the at the same time and still believe in that my slider is my best pitch. I, w- I was looking in, in your rookie year there with Tampa Bay. I think you th- well you threw seventy percent sliders. It was mm-hmm. it was that was the pitch. And w- what did you you touched on it there? The analytics group. I mean, what what did the Tampa Bay pitching factory kind of take you through and bring out in that pitch, or maybe even in pitch selection and and how best to utilize it. I think the one thing that the Rays do well um, is they really just kind of identify what each individual does best. And they Mm -hmm. want you to do that more often than you do anything else. So, you know, if you're a guy that his best pitch is your slider, they want you to throw that, you know, and, and so, you know, I don't feel like I'm giving any way secrets (laughs) or anything here, but you know, they really just, I think they're really good at identifying what each individual player's strengths are, especially with the pitching and then just uh, really kind of encourage them to to do that as much as they can. So, you know, it's, it, you know, a lot of guys have more than one strength. A lot of guys, you know, have uh, a lot of strengths. And, and so it's, you know, it's a little bit different navigating that. But in my case, when I first got over there, um, my slider was very much substantially better than my fastball. So for me, it made sense to throw 70% sliders and, and I think that's really kind of what they do is they just they identify what guys do well and they and they tell them to do it a lot. You how how much do you dig into the analytics? You mind if I bring a few up? I mean, are are they of interest to you? Uh, I don't know analytics necessarily, but some of the you know some of the technology that we've sure we've had oh, yeah. come along a couple of years. You know, for a long time I didn't throw a sinker. I I just developed that in 2019, so it's still a, a relatively new pitch for me, but. Um, you know, it's one of those things as, as a pitcher, when you're throwing, I never could see the sinker moving. So I just right. wouldn't, wouldn't didn't think much, but it wasn't until, you know, you get it on camera and you get it up, hooked up to this technology and, and that was telling me it actually was a good pitch. So, and then, you know, the, the more I threw it and refined it and, um, and kind of figured out how it worked, it ended up becoming, like I said, now, I think it's my, my other best pitch. So. Was the slider always this? The reason why I asked was like, you know, you, you were like in 2021, your all star year when you go off to Coors Field there um, as an all star and you're a big part of the Rays bullpen. You know, that year, I mean, you were like top 10% in ground ball rate, top 10% in walk rate. And then you had, you were the 
the top one percent, actually the top sliver of a percent in chase rate. Um, so you, I wondered about like the slider in the sense that like you're not only throwing it for chase, but you're throwing it for a strike too. Was mm-hmm. that always the case with it? That that that's a pitch that you could go to to get people out of the zone, but also keep them honest in the zone. Yeah, I I, I always really feel like I have had good feel for uh, control of it. I don't know. I don't know if I would say that I have command of it, but okay. the ability to throw it in the zone, I feel like is something that I've always been able to do. Um, and that is one thing, you know, one of my, the thing that I believe in most when it comes to pitching is just attacking and being aggressive. And if you get hurt in the zone, I mean, it happens, you know, hitters are really good and, but you got to throw the ball over the plate. Um, you know, there's just so much advantage that goes to the pitcher when you get ahead. So, you know, it's just really, that's kind of where I think some of those numbers kind of came from I, low walk rate, high first pitch strikes. And and like you said, chase, cause mm-hmm. I was throwing strike one and throwing strike two. And then that allowed me to leave the zone and get guys to, to leave the zone with me. So um, that's kind of my, I mean, I try to simplify pitching as much as I can. I think I have two really good pitches. I try to throw them over the plate as much as I can. And then when the, the uh, scenario arises that I can, leave the zone. That's when I do it. But, um, that's, that's kind of, you know, that, that a lot of that comes from the Rays too, you know, that they believe in throwing the ball over the plate. Um, and, and I think I just bought in and, and that really seemed to work for me. And I don't know, I probably should ask how superstitious you are, but one of the more remarkable stats is you've walked only five of the last 211 batters you've faced in the majors. (laughs) Which that I mean I, that's exactly what you're talking about there, but it's only it's only five, and before the injury, it was only two of seventy five that season. So I mean that's that's exactly what you're describing there. Yeah, I I do pride myself on that. You know, walks or you know free bases, it, it's kind of hard to swallow for me because I'd much rather you know watch a guy earn his way on. Uh, but the, the, you know, there's definitely times where you need to be careful with a, mm-hmm. a, a hitter or a situation comes up to where you know, maybe being as, as aggressive as I normally would like to be isn't, isn't the best uh, scenario for that position. But uh, yeah, that is one thing overall though, that I do, I pride myself on it, you know, but I also, I kind of see the the reverse of it. Whereas, you know, if I'm not aggressive and I am ball one, ball two, those are the good, they're the good counts that hitters mm-hmm. want to get in anyway. So uh, it's kind of, a, I kill two birds with one to- stone. I, I get to pitch the way that I want. And it also helps <laughs> me eliminate walking guys. So where, where'd the grips come from? The grip on the sinker. How'd you work on that? Who'd you talk to and the grip on the slider, how'd that develop? The grip on the slider has really been pretty much the same um, for the last, I don't know, 10 or 15 years. I I haven't really, the one tweak I made, I think right when I first got into pro ball was I moved my thumb up a little higher on the side of the baseball. And that was just to kind of keep it from popping out. I know pitchers kind of describe that, you know, when you get around Mm -hmm. it, the ball will kind of pop up and that's, that's where you get the the hanging sliders from. Not Mm -hmm. that I'm still incapable of hanging a slider, (laughs) but, uh, but that was just the one adjustment I made. And that was very early on in pro ball. Um, and then the sinker grip is pretty is about as standard of a two seam grip I think as you can get. I just split the the horseshoe right down the middle, and I don't really have my fingers on much seam, just kind of the outside of that that middle part. But um, yeah, if I had a baseball here, I could probably show you. But yeah, uh, it's a it's a podcast, so we're good like describing <laughs> it. But it, well, did, well, was it just a matter of it. like trial and error? Like it's almost like a it sounds like a one seam. 
almost. Yeah, it, it does uh, kind of have some one team characteristics because it is, you know, I'm, I'm learning some of this new uh, terminology as well, but uh, it's kind of a seam shifted uh, sinker. So I actually, um, I don't know if this is all kind of nerd, nerd talk, but uh, oh, I, I do kind of uh, supinate when I, when I throw. So I'm actually, looks like I'm cutting the ball and then the seam just catches it about halfway there and goes the other direction. So I don't, I don't really know what I'm doing to make it do it, but it, it doesn't. So. <laughs> yeah, you're not the uh, Sonny Gray walks into his introductory press conference and he, he drops down a baseball on the, on the table. And then as he's answering questions, he's fiddling with it. And then he just goes, you know what? I'm just going to show you. And so he starts showing us about that. You know, he just he, he asked, did you pick up the baseball there today? He goes, no, he just travels with it. So he had the prop <laughs> handy, but he was talking about that super date and all that and the feel he yeah. was getting for it. Yeah. I mean, it, it's with everything. It's just trial and error. And then it feels right. Then you just want to hold on to it. Right. 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 And I, and I figured out a, a few different ways that I can kind of manipulate it one way or the other, but for the most part, uh, there isn't really a lot of thought that goes pre-pitch into my sinker. It's pick a spot over the middle of the plate and throw it as hard as I can and, and let the movement take it to the corners kind of thing. I, I, as much as I do want to be aggressive in the, in the zone and over the plate, I just, I, I typically just allow the movement to, uh, to kind of take it away from the middle of the plate, hopefully. So after Washington, you're signed as an undrafted free agent by the Mariners and get to AAA there in Tacoma with them what uh, what led to the the move to tampa bay they they you know obviously you were traded there i guess I should, a better way to phrase that is not what led to it but what did that mean to you um when you're traded to the rays what did that kind of cr- do for your career uh the short answer i mean it was the best thing that happened to me in my career um not, i'm and that is in no way a slight towards the mariners at all my my career had kind of a very slow start you know i I was undrafted. You know, the Mariners didn't have a ton invested in me. I, I shouldn't say a slow start. I had a very good first year, mm-hmm. which I think kind of, uh, for lack of a better way of saying it, bought me some time to, to have a couple less than good years um, and just kind of kept me around. You know, I, I didn't really, I wasn't really wowing anybody with the Mariners. I was just kind of having a bunch of ho-hum seasons. And, um, and it wasn't until I kind of got a little bit older. I was 26. Um, 2016 where you know I was back in double a for I think the fourth time and I was really just kind of starting to question you know hey if if you're gonna continue to play baseball you need to you need to figure something out you know you need to make an adjustment or or, or kind of do something maybe uh step out of your comfort zone a little bit and anyway it just kind of happened with a catch partner of mine he's actually newly signed with the the Reds Emilio Pagan he just um Mm -hmm. He, he just gave me one little suggestion about my arm path and almost overnight, I gained like three or four miles an hour on my fastball, Wow! go up to triple a a couple of weeks later. And just the, the, the velocity continued to grow. Um, and really just kind of had like the first, um, year in a while where I felt like, Hey man, I, I I'm heading in the right direction and, and I can see myself getting better. Um, and and basically the way I look at it is I got good enough to get traded, um, mm-hmm. uh, you know, good enough to where someone else noticed and wanted to take a chance on me. Um, and, you know, I, I, uh, 
I think getting traded to the Rays for my the purposes of my career thus far has been, you know, the most important thing to happen to my career uh, so far. So what, what part did kind of how you were used playing it? I mean, they're very creative with their bullpen assignments. You did some opener stuff there, um, had obviously had some high leverage stuff there. Um, the, they also go through the the churn of, of going through relievers and using them, um, using roster elasticity to make that work what did not just like what they showed you about pitches and pitch use and also the the idea that you mentioned about throwing a lot of strikes what did just like kind of the atmosphere of being with the rays do for you um it's definitely it's a fun environment i mean the bullpen that we had there was was a really tight-knit group and and but i don't think it really works without the buy-in because Mm. you kind of have to set your ego aside a little bit and and you know, be willing to throw in unconventional roles and, and different parts of the game that you're not necessarily accustomed to. Um, but really, when it when it comes down to it, I think down like they, the over the last couple of years, they kind of have trended more to back to being kind of a traditional bullpen with some traditional roles. You know, they, they do make some decisions a little differently than other teams as far as, you know, who to use in what situation. But um, I think it really helped me you know, getting thrown in all those different um, innings. I think in 2021, I think I pitched in every inning of a game from one to 11. Um, <laughs> so, wow. uh, you know, I, I did definitely got to experience a, a ton of different roles, but I think anytime you could do that, and especially when you're doing it with the entire bullpen, you know, game six of the world series comes up and you got a guy who normally throws the fifth has to close out a game but it's not the first time he's done it, you know? So I think, I think there's some advantages to that. And for me, I think just getting to experience all the different parts of the game, um, you know, different innings and and whatnot, is just going to help me down the road, you know, just to kind of have experience in all different kinds of roles. So whatever role I'm, I'm needed in, then uh, I have, I've had a little experience in that role. So I was also struck by not just the roles, but the kind of, the different times of year too. You have a lot of experience, you know, regular season, but also in the AL East and in the postseason, and then the inning in the all-star game. How, how do those compare? How, how does closing out or holding a lead late high leverage spots in the American league East compare to like, or help you prepare for postseason? I think it's, I think it's all the same. I remember when I first got to the big leagues, it was, you know, that feeling kind of every night where it's just like, there's so much adrenaline and nerves. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but I, I really do. I have figured out that I, I operate so much better if I can keep myself calm and focus on my breathing and slow my heart rate and all that stuff. Um, and so I really try, you know, it's cliche to say, but I really try to treat every outing like it's the same and and the ability to to kind of slow my my mind down has really helped me in those kind of pressure situations um to try to you know treat them the same and i and i know it's easier said than done and it it is kind of one of those cliche things to say you know treat every treat every game the same or every inning the same when the reality is that they're not the same you know so uh but i think just kind of um you know, slowing my mind down, slowing, slowing my breathing down and, and stuff like that has really just helped me remain calm in those big moments. Um, and really, uh, I think has helped me succeed in them to, for the most part. So, um, it's something that I, I thrive on, but those, I mean, those moments are also the most fun ones to pitch in, you know, that's when the adrenaline's the best. That's when the game's the most fun. And, uh, 
that's that's really the moments that I I uh, I kind of live for, you know, to to be yeah. to add another cliche in there. <laughs> <laughs> I, I hope I asked this question right, but do you, do you do the same kind of breathing, the same kind of thing for small moments? Like, do you want to make those the same as the big moments? Oh yeah, I mean, I okay. I definitely have uh, kind of a breathing routine before the the first pitch of every inning, and then I try to just kind of exercise good breathing techniques uh, throughout the inning mm-hmm. that I'm in and, and whatever, but, you know, I really do try to, to treat every outing the same. And there's sometimes where it's just, like I said earlier, it's not, you're in thrown in the fifth inning of a 10 run game on a Tuesday afternoon or something. Yeah. And that's not the same, you know, but um, you are also competing and you're, and you're facing major league hitters and they're all good, you know, some better than others, but they're all good. And, and they're all capable of, uh, you know, putting a good swing on a pitch and, and, uh, you know, ruining your night. So, um, I think if you ever take any opponent, uh, lightly or any situation lightly, that's, uh, that's when you get embarrassed. So, uh, <laughs> I try to avoid that and I try to treat every outing the same, no matter what the situation is. From afar, it, it does look like that AL East is a, is a grinder against bullpens. They like just the style of baseball. And, uh, things have changed now with the DH and the national league, obviously, that only added to it, but you're going up against some pretty robust middle, middle lineups there when you're, when you're in that division. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's fun. I, I think, you know, most, uh, most athletes will tell you that they want to compete against the best mm-hmm. now every night in night out. Uh, sometimes you kind of think, man, I, I, I want to break from facing judge or whoever, you know, you know, whoever yeah, has, yeah. whoever's got the, whoever you're playing in the East, but, uh, you know, that, that is the, the challenge though. That's part of what makes competing so much fun is, is, is when you know that your opponent is, is also very, very good. So, um, those are kind of the, the, what makes this game fun, you know, it's, it's competing and, and knowing that you got to be really good to have success, um, uh, I think is what makes, uh, that challenge. So, uh, so rewarding when you do succeed. As we're talking, the Cardinals are getting ready to announce that Heim Bloom has been hired as a special advisor to the front office. How much interaction did you you guys would have overlapped just for a little bit right there with Tampa Bay? How much interaction did you have and how much did you see kind of well, his influence there when you first got there? Um, interaction, you know, Heim was always around in the clubhouse, was always, you know, and that's one another thing that's great about the Rays, and it's always been there since, since I've been there. Was that the you know the front office was very very involved and and personable and transparent and and very easy to talk to and get along with. And I uh, I didn't end up having a ton of interaction with Heim just because mm-hmm. it wasn't you know all that necessary for for <laughs> uh, for lack of a better way of saying it. But um, you know he was always available if I needed something. Um, but I think the one thing that really sticks out to me as far as it pertains to Heim is I think Heim was very instrumental in, in me getting to the raise. Um, mm. At least that's how I remember it being told to me. But uh, so, you know, for that, I will forever be grateful for that opportunity that uh, that came about with me ending up in Tampa Bay and, and ultimately debuting there and, and spending the last seven parts of seven seasons there. So. Earlier this season on the on the podcast here, I talked with Mark Tompkin, who you know um, from the Tampa, Tampa Bay newspaper. There, he's the longtime baseball writer, and we just kind of talked about kind of Heim and the Rays and everything that they had going on there, but also just kind of the culture of 
pitching that like just like this really prosperous, creative, um, you know, almost like I don't know, just like the 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 atmosphere of pitching that they created, wanting people to take chances, but also wanting to excel together. I mean, it, it seems like we've spent a lot of time kind of touching on that, but you felt that there. Absolutely. Um, like I, I did kind of touch on it earlier, how tight knit the group was. Yeah. But, you know, it was it was a really kind of, and I don't you could kind of see it starting to form. Uh, I think it was end of 2018, 2019, where just kind of the cohesiveness was was at an all time high. It seemed mm-hmm. like where it just kind of guys were feeding off of other guys success and, you know, picking each other up when it, when it, an outing didn't go the way you wanted to. But, um, and I think it really starts with, you know, just the group that we had there, you know, like I said before, yeah. it's kind of guys threw their egos to the side and, and really just kind of bought in and really, um, it really felt like our own little unit that was just a, a tight knit group and, everyone was pulling for each other nonstop and it, it was just a really fun atmosphere to be in. Um, and I think that's just important. I think, I think when you can, when you can trust uh, your teammate to your left and right to pick you up when you fail and, and they're going to trust that you, that you pick them up when they're mm-hmm. doing it too. So um, I think that's really just what it kind of came down to. Plus if, you know, on top of that, they were all really good too. So, you know, I mean, right. it, it was a, it was a tight knit group, but, but a lot of talent in the room and um, you know, it was just kind of easy to, to pull for each other just because uh, just because of, of that uh, tightness. <laughs> yeah. The collaborative and creative was kind of the description that I was trying right. to search for. Yeah. As I was going, going through. All right. So big national championship game tonight. What are, what are the plans? What I, some people will listen to it after it's already happened. So they'll know the, the end result, but what are your, what are your plans? You're, you're, you're there, right? Not too far from campus. Are you up in that, in I, that area? I am. I have since moved back to my hometown just on the other side of the state. So we, we are a four hour drive from Seattle, but, uh, oh, okay. Okay. But I do make it over there occasionally, but, um, but yeah, uh, as far as the game, man, uh, I don't know that I'm that as nervous as I was last week. I, really? I think now that we got here, um, you know, this is, this is a great season. I think tonight's game is going to be a really, really good game. I wish I had any kind of strong feeling one way on how this was going <laughs> to go, but it's it seems like it's very much a, a really good offense at Washington versus a really good defense in Michigan. And, um, yeah, uh, I, you know, it might be one of those games that come down to turnovers or, or what, but uh, I'm just looking forward to it. Will Going you be back one? to last week, I was I was definitely nervous. You were definitely. What, what, do you pace? Do you are you one to? I want to watch this game alone, or no? I want the comfort of a crowd. I'm a quiet nervous. I just kind okay. of button up a little bit. Um, quite the opposite of my dad. He's a he's a, he's vocal and a pacer, but uh, <laughs> yeah, no, I uh, I just uh, I kind of just run through uh, my head what all the the different scenarios are, and I kind of buttoned up a little bit. Do you, uh, so you, do you have a feel or do you have a hope? Uh, I hope there's a lot of points scored because I okay. think that bodes well for us. But, okay. uh, I would say, yeah, I'm gonna, I, guess, I don't know, Huskies by three. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I'm out of my depth with college football. I'll admit that, but I, I wanted to ask you some of that because, uh, I'm a Mizzou grad and apparently, you know, like I think I went to the Cotton Bowl, things are building in the right direction for uh, for my tigers so i have to be ready and uh if they they're expanding the playoffs so there's the possibility 
that you know yeah. maybe maybe the Tigers are the Huskies of next year. Maybe maybe that's possible. I don't know. So I have to. Hey, get, they finished. They finished great. They did. They finished strong. Uh, they lost their defensive coordinator, but you know they got things going well. So I'm counting on your like advice here to how to prepare for the potential <laughs> of next year. <laughs> well, I think just uh, sit back and enjoy it. <laughs> as long as they're playing well and then if they happen to be in a good position at the end then that's when you can start getting nervous all right as i mentioned the last thing i want to ask you this is a podcast so people aren't seeing you but if they google images of you or look up highlights of you you have a beard you do not have that or in a lot of the photos um you do not have that now are you uh shaving the off season grow through the season what what is the what's the beard approach um, and what does it add to your uh, poise or image that you want to cast on the mound? Uh, that's a good question that I don't even know if I know the answer to. Uh, as far as I do, for my wife's sake, I do shave in the off season quite a bit. I'll sometimes grow it, you know, back out a little bit or whatever. It's just I don't really have a rhyme or reason to any of it. Um, okay. I just. I kind of get sick of shaving. That's really the, that's really the main thing. And uh, as I would like to say, when I grow out the beard, it covers up uh, and saves everyone from looking at what they, what they see without the beard. So um, <laughs> yeah, probably the beard probably come back. I mean, usually what I've done over the last couple of years, shaving the off season, first day of spring training, I just kind of stop um, yeah. or photo day. I think my wife likes me to take a nice photo on photo day, but oh. Uh, so you have the best then of like your image up on the board does not match the image you have on the mount. Those, right. those are always yes. some of the ones that uh, we have a lot of time at the game. So we tend to map those out. The guys who are <laughs> clean, John Brebbia, for example, yes. clean shaven on photo day. And by the time you see him in the, uh, in the, on the field, full beard. Yep. That's yep. That's kind of, I don't know if that's by design that I'm going for that, but that definitely has come up uh with a bunch of teammates in the past, how much they enjoy that too. So I'll probably end up doing something like that again, but yeah, real, no real rhyme or reason to any of it. I uh, just kind of get, get sick of it or tired of it, grow it out. I don't know, change it. I don't Yeah. Don't ever really have a, a good reason <laughs> one way or the other. We'll have to like, you know, have to come up with like a better legend than during the time or we'll come up with a, like a real key, like good story by spring training to write about yeah. it. Yeah. 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 Um, well, good luck to your Huskies. And Andrew, thank you so much for taking this time um, to talk with me um, so, so soon, immediately after the trade. Um, been a pleasure chatting with you and really appreciate it. Good luck. And I look forward to, to saying hello in person there in Jupiter, Florida. You'll head down soon, I imagine. Yep. Yep. Should be getting down there pretty soon. And uh, yeah, thanks for having me on. Go Huskies. And uh, <laughs> I'm uh Happy to be happy and excited to be a part of the Cardinals. I'm looking forward to to getting going and getting to work. Special thanks to Andrew Kittred for taking the time on the national championship game, his his alma mater's national championship game, to spend uh, spend 30 minutes talking to me about his uh, slider and sinker, and of course the trade to the St. Louis Cardinals. Also, a special thanks to a longtime listener of BPIB who made that possible, who put us in touch so that he could uh, be a guest here, right? Right, so soon after the trade, the best podcast in baseball is brought to you by. Closet by Design of St. Louis, and it's a production of the St. Louis Post-Dispatch, stltoday.com, and me, Derek Gould. You can find all of our Constant Cardinals coverage, including stories about the trade, about Heim Bloom's hiring, and of 
course, you know, taking us back to the Pacific Northwest about Paul Goldschmidt's first visit up there to driveline and what he was seeking in his swing and what some of the videos you saw on social media, what those mean, what those drills were trying to do for the former National League MVP. All of that is available at stltoday.com. You can find the best podcast in baseball wherever you get your podcast, iTunes, just wherever, Spotify, seriously, wherever. Uh, we're racing towards the 12th year of BPIB. Yep, when uh, when spring arrives, it'll be the 12th season of the best podcast in baseball, which is remarkable. So thank you to all the listeners and all the subscribers out there who make this podcast possible. It's subscribers like you that make the sponsorships possible, and it's sponsorships like Closet by Design of St. Louis that make the podcast possible. For the best podcast in baseball, I'm St. Louis Post-Dispatch Baseball writer Derek Gould. Talk to you soon. Happy New Year. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. With everything you have on your plate, earning your degree online seems impossible. But at Grand Canyon University, we specialize in helping you fit a master's degree in business into your busy day. Your graduation team, led by your own GCU counselor, provides you with the personal support you need to succeed. Achieve your goals with a plan and team behind you. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Visit gcu.edu.